I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Eric Decker, who is Chief Security and Privacy Officer for the University of Chicago Medicine. Eric is also Chair of the Association for Executives in Healthcare Information Security which is a part of CHIME, and in addition to that work, Eric is also a leader working with the Department of Health and Human Services in its Cybersecurity Task Force. We're here at the CHIME Advocacy Conference in D.C. So Eric, you earlier this year testified before Congress about ways that the healthcare sector can improve its cybersecurity, and when it comes to the federal government and its policies, what are some of your biggest frustrations when it comes to policies that potentially hinder the healthcare's cybersecurity, and in contrast, what are you most hopeful about? Thank you, Marianne. I appreciate it. So, you know, as far as frustrations are concerned, as it stands right now, I actually feel pretty hopeful about where things are going within cyber. Three, four, five years ago, I believe the providers all felt a lot of the same same levels of frustrations. The biggest issue at, at the time was around the medical device manufacturers and how you secure these devices, the restrictions that are placed on us by the manufacturers themselves, and some of these restrictions are quite bad, you know, frankly, like uh, having hard-coded passwords that are used in every single provider space, or the inability to properly segment them, or the lack of encryption or antivirus. It's just very, very basic controls. Five years ago, we were just sort of knocking our heads against the wall about trying to solve that problem. The good news is the industry, and when I say industry, I mean both the provider space and the manufacturer space, has finally come to realize and agree that this is a joint issue. It's a, it's a joint problem that needs to be solved for. And working with our partners in the FDA, this is some very important work that needs a collective answer towards it. So between, uh, there's, there's lots of advocacy work that's, that's happening in this space, there's lots of conversations, there's roundtables in D.C. where the manufacturers and the providers are coming together with the FDA and with uh, some of the consumer technology companies that embed these technologies into the medical devices with everybody talking about the problem and everybody talking about the, their aspect of the problem, which is massive progress from where we were five years ago. So I'm hopeful for that. That's, that's wonderful news. More to come, and it's, and it's certainly not solved right now, but this is the time of age where the solutions are actually happening, so that's really great. Other areas of hope are that where industry and uh, government has come together is related to the, the CISA 405D work that we've been doing. So the CISA is uh, the Cybersecurity Act of 2015, and within that act there's a section called 405. Section 405 really talks a lot about the healthcare industry, the healthcare industry cyber issues. Uh, that's where the genesis of the task force report that came out last year was stemmed from. That was 405C. And 405D is, is a section that talks about aligning healthcare cybersecurity practices across industry. And so really it's a fancy way of saying, what are we going to do about the problems in industry? How are we going to move the needle in cybersecurity? So I've been the industry lead of that for the last year and a half, uh, working with my government lead in HHS. And we've had a, a group of over 150 individuals that have met six times here in DC. And we're producing a, produced, it's, it's coming out at the end of the year, a guide that really talks about what are the five threats that we as an industry feel are the most significant threats to our, our patients and our organizations. And what are the 10 ways that we can solve and mitigate for those threats? 
And once we understand what those 10 ways are, how do those 10 ways fit between for a, or a small organization, a medium-sized organization, or a large-sized organization? Because they're, they're different. I mean, they have different, different uh, resources, different configurations and operations and different levels of sophistication as well. So what we did is we, we produced a four-volume guide both to help raise the awareness of the cybersecurity issue to those who might not still understand how, what it means to them. And then we stratified, uh, we have technical volumes and appendices, and we stratified the resolution of those into these specific volumes around what small providers should do, what medium providers should do, and what large systems should do. Briefly, can you describe those five top threats, or at least you know some of them that you've identified? Yes. So the, you know, some of this is pretty standard stuff. You know, so we all face phishing attacks. We're all concerned about ransomware issues. We're certainly something not new at all. We're all very concerned about the lost and stolen devices. The OCR, the OCR cares a lot about that. It's sort of the sort of the healthcare institutions. Insider threats, you know, related to both malicious or accidental cases of, of loss of data and uh, certainly the, the issues related to patient safety due to connected medical devices. So now, when it comes to medical device cyber issues, what worries you the most? What is the doomsday scenario that you're most worried about? Earlier in a discussion during this conference, you mentioned sort of the regional attacks that could affect a community of hospitals in perhaps devastating ways. So, first of all, it's the... When I say doomsday in my mind, it's the thing that I hope ev never, ever, ever happens. But it's the things where there's a possibility, and possibility doesn't mean probability. It's, it's very unlikely. But, you know, if you think about the the type of threats that are out there, the threat actors that are out there, and there's different different types of folks, you know, so there's the people who are maybe I'll call playful, but that's probably a bad way to describe them. But, you know, they're just the, the individual hackers or maybe there's some activism type of activities that are happening. They're not interested in causing harm, you know, to individuals. They're, they're interested in causing reputational issues to the organizations, and we obviously care about that. You have organized crime now that's doing a lot more attacks, not just against healthcare, but across all of the digital environments that are out there because there's a very easier way to monetize uh, crime and fraud, you know, and so fraud is always going to be prevalent and is always going to be a, a problem. What ha hasn't happened yet that I've seen, but could foresee it actually happening, is when you start getting into the terrorist side of the house, terrorism side of the house, and if they, if they ever bridge the divide between the physical threats and the cyber threats, and or if they somehow join with any sort of nation state type of actor, then you can potentially raise a level of sophistication. And and if the, the threat actor can get to a certain level of sophistication and understand how to compromise a regional health systems, and these are independent health systems, they, they're not part of the same group, but by leveraging a lot of the same types of vendors that we, use, we all use and, and the, the access that these third parties have, there's certainly a, a capability and a consequence of being able to leverage that type of vector into a multiple health systems all at once. And if you can deploy through that vector, say a ransomware attack or a disruption attack, all at the same time, and then you tie that with a regional event, then you have a situation that's going to be quite catastrophic. Now the good news is, given the fact that cyber has become a huge hot topic in healthcare, 
uh, there's been a lot more prevalence both at the local level all the way up to the national level on how do we solve this problem and what are the what are some just the basic hygiene elements that we need to be putting into place to prevent such a scenario from happening and I I am hopeful that that will absolutely help uh, mitigate that problem um, and at the same token, you know, when I would testify to Congress, one of the things that was being discussed was the reauthorization bill for preparedness and all hazards. And what ASPR does is, you know, they, what they do very well is work through these regional events, these regional issues, bringing medical supplies, medical countermeasures, et cetera, to the people in need, things like Zika and Ebola and such. And by Leveraging that same muscle around a cyber event, you can, they, they have the ability and they have the access to start thinking about how they can assist in the case of you know, such an event like that. I guess probably the biggest shot across the bow was WannaCry last year. And obviously it hit in the UK right at the beginning and there were 16 systems that got shut down in the national health system in the UK. That alone is the issue that I'm talking about. And that all happened through partner networks, if I recall correctly. Before it came across the pond, you know, frankly, there was a kill switch that was that was run, and it pretty much stopped the proliferation of the malware. Um, but it could have easily started in the U.S. and leveraged the exact same access that I've been talking about, and caused the same kind of damage and the same kind of issues here. So it was a wake-up call. It was it was a huge wake-up call and something that got a lot of people thinking about. This is more than just an isolated individual provider, individual hospital issue. Finally, Eric, looking ahead to next year, are there any promising emerging security technologies that perhaps are being underutilized now that if they were more utilized in the healthcare sector, it could make a difference in some of these things that we were just talking about? You know, from a technology perspective, it's difficult to answer that. But what I'll say is where we, where, where healthcare has been historically over the last 10 years was putting in place a lot of preventative controls. So stop, 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 you know, is the thinking. And, you know, detection and response is equally as important, in some cases more important than the preventative side of the house. So what has changed there is, you know, we can't prevent everything. It's just not possible, especially in healthcare where the connectivity and the access is critically important. You know, if you, if you shut off a doctor's ability to get access to data that they need to treat a patient in an emergency situation, you've harmed, you've, you've actually introduced harm versus helping the situation out. So a continued focus on detection, uh, detection technologies, so there's a slew of them ranging from the, you know, you've got deception technologies, you've got new SIM capabilities that are coming out, user behavior analytics, I mean there's a EDR on the device side of the house, there's, there's just lots of lots of tech that's out there to help solve a slice of the problem. Bringing that detection capability and the response associated to what you do when you find things together, that's really the crux of what we need to be focusing on more. And so, you know, when we think about what our technology partners can do with the, for us, it's they got to recognize that we have, we have to solve an operational problem. The, the tech is going to be, is a component of that. It gives us our visibility. But the response to, first of all, getting actionable intel through lots of noise and, and lots of, it's just lots of data that's out there. So to know what we have to uh, respond to and then helping to augment or assist with their response activities to bring these, these issues down very quickly before they become problems, that's the crux of really the future of cybersecurity. Thanks, Eric. I've been speaking to Eric Decker. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.